what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films. Chris, how you doing, man? Doing good. Good. I'm Alan. This is Chris. We're going to talk about some movies today here at Foot Candle Films. Uh, the way our show normally works with this here on The Mesh is we, uh, we, we have one or two films that we do a big review for, um, and then we go in and talk about some movie news. And then we're going to wrap up today's episode with our recommendations, a film from the vault, I guess you could say, or one maybe that you might have missed or uh, hasn't been out in a while. And we want to recommend that you check it out on streaming, DVD, whatever it may be. A um, couple little housekeeping notes first before we get into our show. This is Foot Candle Films on the TV. You can go check out all of our back episodes. You can listen to Chris and me try to attempt our first episode. What was that? A year and a half ago? Two years ago, something like that. You can go all the way back to number one and listen for a long weekend and just have a really great weekend listening to back episodes of Candle Films. We know that over this holiday season, there's probably nothing more that you'd like to do than sit and listen to us talk. Consider it our Christmas gift to you. That's right. The listener. Hours. Hours and hours of Alan and Chris talking about films. Just let that settle for a little bit. And possibly there. contradicting ourselves numerous times. That's true. We we very well could be. <laughs> One episode we really like a film. Then when we talk about it later, nah, we didn't really like it too much. <laughs> so that's right. anyway, that's all available on the mesh.tv. You go to the website, you can go and look up all of our episodes and shows. You can also look up all the other shows that are on the mesh network. It's a great resource for just uh, hours and hours of entertainment. We also want to say uh, thank you to our sponsor for this month, Main Cellar City Club, located right here in Hickory, North Carolina about two blocks away from where we are recording here at the Mesh Studios. A great event and music venue. Private parties are available. Some of the past acts they've had, Yarn, Brett Michaels, some other great bands. Future acts they've got coming up, Bad Company, Tesla's Frank Hannon and Lefty Williams, and Little River Band. I think it's still, have they come or are they coming soon? I think they're coming soon. Oh, Little River Band, which Chris, I had to actually educate before the show started. Like some of the Little River, River Band's songs. Yes. Because you didn't know any of them. I did. Sadly. So I you've obviously this. never been in a dentist office lobby or anything. <laughs> so Little River Band, man, as music I grew up to. So I'm very excited to see them uh, performing here very soon. Main Cellar City Club. You can find out more about that place at www.mainsellercityclub.com. That's on the internet, people. www.mainsellercityclub.com to find out more about our great sponsor. One of my favorite venues in town. We've got a lot of events coming up in 2013 where we're going to be hosting them at that place. Great facility. Check it out for any of your needs with event or music, uh, uh, concerts, receptions, parties, whatever it may be. Check it out. So with that out of the way, Chris, let's get right into our show. Our very first review is our Foot Candle Film of the Month. This is the film that we just recently filmed or screened, I should say, just last night for our local film society. It is the French film The Untouchables. Allez debout, Philippe. C'est qui ce type Autour de toi, tout le monde s'inquiète. Comment il est grand, il est costaud, il a deux bras, deux jambes, un cerveau qui fonctionne, il est en bonne santé. Trop long là Les gars des cités, ils n'ont aucune pitié. C'est ce que je veux. Aucune pitié. Voilà, c'est bon comme ça Attends. Vous avez fini de jouer, non 
Et mais en fait, vous sentez rien du tout là. Bon appétit. Eh, 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 eh. <rire> Ça frise la paresse là, faut renvoyer un peu. <rire> With the Untouchables, we have what seems like a pretty familiar setup. You have person who has had a horrible accident and is going to rely on someone to come help them. And they come from a different background. They struggle and somehow they become friends, kind of like a buddy picture in an odd sort of way. And, you know, they get to know each other. They may have disagreements. But then by the end of the film, everything's happy. A more stylized, I guess, less happy version of this, you could say, would be like Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Which we saw as one of our first screenings, Four Foot Candle, uh, the Film Society. Correct. A film I admire incredibly. Um, I think is a, just a wonderful film, one of the best films that came out that year. It was released. Yeah. And so with this film going in, you may hear the kind of a plot synopsis of what it's about. What were your feelings exiting this movie? Were you let down by the movie? Did you feel like, okay, this is a foreign film? It's got a lot of accolades. It has box up broken box office records in France. Yeah, so it's been a big hit. Like it's been a big hit in Europe and France. And you know, Chris, the thing is, when, I, when, I, when we selected this film to show for our film society, <laughs> I actually remember sending you a link to the trailer mm -hmm. and saying, okay, Chris, I think we should show this film But I'm not excited about it at all. Because here, here's the one-line description on okay. the tagline. Okay. After he becomes a quadriplegic from a paragliding accident, an aristocrat hires a young man from the projects to be his caretaker. Right away, and that and the trailer combined, I said, okay, this is lifetime movie material. That's... Ready to go. Over-emotional, over-sentimental. It, it's going to hit every emotional note you expect, and it's extremely predictable. So... To pull a Montgomery Burns, you would say this is claptrap. Yes, yes. I would, have, I would have described it as claptrap <laughs> before I saw it. Okay. But now so you're asking. That, so, after having seen the movie, what do you think? I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Okay. The film exceeded my expectations on just about every level. Excellent. I, from the trailer, I really thought the acting was going to be over the top and just almost unbearable from the young man who plays Driss. Mm-hmm. I just thought I was going to really despise this character about midway through the film. Okay. Um, I did, from what I saw in the previews and all the lead up, the main character, Philippe, I thought was going to be a very bland character as well. And it was going to be truly the buddy, oh, I'm Mr. Stuffy. I, I don't do anything uh, crazy. And here this crazy person has now entered my life and made me more of a crazy person. Right. And it really wasn't like that. I mean, there was enough nuances going on, interesting things, little subplots to keep this as a very interesting film. I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought acted extremely well. The plot, the, the story, nothing surprising in the story. There were no, there was nothing much deeper than what I would have expected in a film like this. However, I think everybody played it off to where it didn't come across as cliche. Mm -hmm. It didn't come across as overly scripted. I actually thought some of the scenes may have had even a little bit of an ad-lib ad uh, nature to them and some of the dialogue, which was nice. Okay. Um, yes, it pretty much ended the way I would expect it to end. There were no real surprises, but it was an enjoyable film to watch for me from start to end. And um, so I guess going in with the expectation that it really was going to be this formulaic uh, story to it, I was actually pleasantly surprised it wasn't. What about well, you? I guess, yeah, my feelings were when you see a story that's advertised as based on a true story mm -hmm. and you get the you know two or three line synopsis that you read, 
you kind of say, okay, this is going to be very formulaic, very cliche, and you just assume there's almost no reason to see it. Could you know? But I think what elevates this film is, yeah, what elevates the film is the acting. And also, yeah. I thought the cinematography oh, yeah, it was, was a good looking really film. pretty. Like mm-hmm. a lot of shots were very, I won't say needlessly artistic, because they helped me enjoy the film. And I was surprised that how, even though with the setup as it was and the how the movie ended, it still maintained my interest. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's that's to say something because you you got to know, obviously, the movie's going to end on a certain note. Otherwise, they wouldn't make this movie. If the yeah. whole movie was just a big down like based on a true story and like you just you kind of know what you're getting into. But I've, I found it very, very entertaining. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was pleased that. They had moments of humor that, for the most part, never went over into like satire or farce or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they just, and there were also things that had this been a Hollywood movie, I think they would have taken farther. But they kind of yeah. they kind of pulled back the reins. And actually, some some things were left kind of a little messy mm-hmm. and open ended. And I think had it been a Hollywood movie, they would have kind of hammered it home a little yeah. more. It was yeah. I, I do like the fact that they didn't they didn't push it. They uh, they didn't exploit what they had. It was a simple story, simple plot line. It had enough really, really nicely done performances and enough great dialogue and the cinematography to keep it interesting to watch and to follow the story and be interested in these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were not overly caricature characters either. They could have been very easily. I mean, for example, you know, Philip, the, the, the quadriplegic. He could have been p- painted as this tried and true aristocrat, where it is just everything's prim and proper. He has lived a very, you know, a very uh, pampered life, and it's just he's extremely rich and all this. But you know, that's not really him. He he has that air, but yet you kind of get the impression pretty early on that there's a lot more to this guy, and you do learn a little bit more about him. And you learn that. You know, he's got a little bit of a wild side. He loves fast driving fast and being adventurous and doing dangerous things. And right. that's the kind of thing you wouldn't have had in a more formulaic movie. You would have had these two characters so completely opposite that they have to learn to make each other like each other. Here, these two characters actually had a lot more in common down deep. Mm-hmm. It was just getting to find out what those things were, you know. Well, and I think, too, this the movie wasn't interested in like how he made his, the you know, Philippe, who's the aristocrat, they weren't interested in how he made his money. Mm-hmm. They really weren't interested in a lot of his past. They allude to, okay, this is how I had my accent, but there's not a lot of like drama built into that. He doesn't that. dwell on that for very long, yeah. no. And the guy who comes to help him, um, whose name is, now I've forgotten his name. Driss. Yes, Driss. He like comes from kind of a troubled background, but they also don't really dwell on that either. They no. kind of mention it and you kind of say, okay, this is why he's living in a small little apartment with mm. a bunch of people and it's kind of crowded and he has had a, a robbery and stuff, but it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't dwell in that because yeah. they're not interested in their pasts. They're well, only interested in the relationship and they focus on that. Well, you know, and I kept part of, part of my, 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 uh, experience watching this film is I kept waiting for the shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. I kept waiting for that one scene that I just knew was going to happen. It was really going to upset me. The scene where, okay, they've brought in this this kid from the projects who's going to be the caregiver for this quadriplegic. And, of course, 
that caregiver couldn't care less about being there. He's there for the money. He's there for all that. Very formulaic so far. And of course, you know, they're going to start to grow closer together because they even already show you that in the first couple minutes of the film. They show you a scene that happens later in the film Mm -hmm. that already shows them with a very strong connection, a good relationship. So, you know, that's where we're going to get to. They're not masking that. They're basically saying, yeah, we know. They're going to, you know, they're going to become friends. Mm-hmm. The key is how do they become friends and what do they learn from each other? Right. But I kept waiting for that scene where all of a sudden everything is going so great and Driss has now entertained the whole house and everybody loves Driss. And all of a sudden his they past, his past something. comes back to haunt him or right. something comes up and it's this big nightmare. And all of a sudden he has to leave and everybody misses Driss. And then he has to come back at the end and save the day. It's a little variation on that. But it wasn't cliche like that no, at all. It was no. very realistic, I thought, the way it went down. And it, it built to the end. So it was, a, you know, there again, it was a nice little surprising film. Um, you know, I'm not going to go out and say it was one of the best of the year that I've seen. I just think it was a really solid, well put together film that took a story that could have been extremely cliche and made it a fairly entertaining and good film to watch. I so, agree. Yeah. Uh, a couple things with it. I thought just to call out, you mentioned the acting already about mm-hmm. the, how the acting was really strong. I agree. Francois Clouzet was Philippe. Uh, the, I'm not familiar Have with anything he's ever done. I practiced just a little bit. <laughs> uh, Francois Clouzet uh, played Philippe. I thought very, very strong performance. I don't know anything else he's ever done, but mm-hmm. he was really sharp. Uh, Omar Sy played Driss again. Very good. Mm-hmm. Could have been an extremely annoying character, but they gave just enough of a real meat of a personality to him to make him an interesting character to watch. And I, yeah, I guess his, not that, and both characters don't have any startling transformation. And I guess, like you were saying, right. that's what's kind of satisfying about this is that it's not like he starts out a complete hoodlum and then by the end he's this perfect angel caregiver. Right. Yes. No, I mean, he's already kind of a he's good He's already a good guy who's yeah. just been in some bad situations. Yeah. And I think what was really satisfying for me to see was that they didn't go down the tr- tried and true road of having that big, you know, arc or whatever. But also... Um, Omar Sy. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to see. I thought he did really good jobs of like having us, you know, going from being lighthearted, but then there's always a little bit of seriousness behind mm-hmm. it. And just, yeah. and like, I don't know, just watching his expressive face kind of shifting back and forth between moods was, I thought he did a, thought he yeah. did a good job. Another performance I was going to call out. I just, I mean, it was a smaller role, but I just, I don't know, something about her performance. I really liked Audrey Fleuro who played Majali, who was the redheaded yes. assistant to Philippe who kind of had a little bit of a flirtatious relationship with Cy uh, or with Driss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I don't know. Something about her performance was just, it was good. It was solid. It was, uh, I really bought the characters in the film. Yeah. They had a couple of people who worked in the big mansion house that I mm-hmm. thought were maybe a little caricature-ish. You mm-hmm. got the gardener, you've got the, you know, house, uh, uh, I guess, woman who runs the house. Right. Eh, little caricatures, but never that bad. Never to the point it was annoying. Um but overall, I thought acting top to bottom was great. And you mentioned cinematography. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I remember halfway watching this film saying, you know, this could have been shot like a TV movie and yeah. be made to look so dull. But these guys really made this film look good. Even if you weren't invested in the story, there's enough visually to watch to keep this, this interesting for you. Exactly. Um, what we've got is we've got a director and writer combo, uh, Olivier Nakache and Eric Toledano. And they are a combination director and writer duo. They've worked on a few other films together. Uh, I've never heard of them. I've never seen any of their work, but I am actually somewhat interested now to check out some of their other work and see if this is one of the best things they've done or if they've done some other really great work. 
Um, I thought it was interesting. Something I read about this film, and I could see why to some degree. Nine weeks after its release, it became the second most successful French film ever. Wow. So it really took off. I don't know if it's because the actors are well-known in France. I don't know if it's because the writer-director are well-known. I don't know if it was just lightning in a bottle, just happened to hit at a really good time. But still, uh, it really took off in Europe and France. It's a shame it's not going to get more of a notice here in America. It just won't. Um, There are talks about it being uh, nominated for Best Picture, Best Foreign Picture. Uh, It is France's official entry into the Oscars for foreign language film. So we wish it well. I think it's a a great film. I think it's a really good, strong film and and really enjoyed it. Very, very surprising. If I had gone in with extremely high expectations, would it have been as good in my mind? I don't know. But I went in with very limited, low expectations, and it far surpassed those. If you had to, I have two kind of like nitpicks with the film, I guess I'd say. Sure. Uh, Do you have any or are you? Um, Just one or two small ones, but they're not. I I think I mentioned already a couple of the house characters I thought were a little caricature-ish. Other than that, there was a scene in the middle that luckily they stopped it when they stopped it. But it was kind of a dance scene. It had a lot of music, almost like a little mini music video kind of in the middle of the movie. Yes. Boy, that could have gone really off the rails bad. And it came really close to for me. And I I, I know the scene you're talking about. It was kind of a chance for Driss to kind of show a little bit of a wild side to try to bring Philippe out of his shell. It was on his birthday. and And that scene to me, kind of went on a little longer than it should have. But mm-hmm. like you're saying, they did stop it before it got just... It was, the, it was the typical scene you expect to see in a movie like this, where all of a sudden the wild kid, the wild person in the, the relationship is now has a cut-loose moment where he gets everybody around him, all the uptight, stuck-up people kind of <laughs> letting their hair down. and le- It was a little Very much... Fresh Prince of Bel-Air type Yes, <laughs> exactly. But you know what? I thought they kept it fairly restrained. I thought it was done fairly well. Uh, that was the only scene that still kind of sticks out in my mind is like, I would have toned that one down a little bit more, but that was the one scene that I didn't like. And the other scene that I didn't like that, that scene was actually kind of a call back to both Mm -hmm. had to do with music. Mm -hmm. I liked the opening and then it kind of teased because it kind of comes from the three fourths point in the film or the halfway Mm -hmm. point in the film, but they showed that scene at the very beginning and you see that they already have the close relationship. But in that scene as well, they use Music as yeah. kind of a joke. Earth, wind, and fire. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I understand is part of that you don't want to care. But to me, they also kind of played that a little bit too much. And it during had, the opening credits? During, or? The, op- during the opening, okay. during that scene. And it actually worried me like, oh, no. Well, is, this, is this where this whole film was going? And it didn't. It didn't. Yeah. It got to where it was actually, going, the scene ended, and that, then that was forgotten about until the dance. You know the reason I, I like the opening credits the way they did it? Okay. Because the first few images we see, it's very ominous. Yeah, Things are not true. looking very good. True. All we see is we see Driss driving, and he's got Philip with him. Philip looks very distracted and upset, and something's going on. Right. We don't know he's a quadriplegic at this point, and we just know it's two, two people in a car, and Driss is driving. And all of a sudden, Driss starts driving really fast and getting very reckless with it. We don't know why. At this point, okay, we have no idea what's going on. That's when he turns on the earth, wind, and fire, playing September, big blaring loud music, and it's a very fast opening credit sequence and all. And, you know, it, it kind of builds up this idea of, oh, okay, well, they're having fun, then everything's good. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no actually what happened is they're going and they get pulled over by the cops. And then the cops, you know, they pull a little joke on the cops, making right. the, the cops think that the quadriplegic is actually having some sort of seizure or attack. 
and they need an escort to the hospital, which they really didn't need. Right. That's when they start blaring the music and playing that. Um, you still thought something was wrong, though. I still felt like down deep something may have been going wrong. wrong. And it turned out there kind of was, not as serious as what the joke was made to play. Sure. But there was still was something serious going on in the background. So almost like that, that loud, upbeat music and them kind of head bobbing in the car and all. I was okay with because I knew there's something else serious going on and this is just a good balance for them on stuff. I think it just worried me a little bit because I guess the opening titles reminded me of like a Brett Ratner film, like a rush hour type thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, like, I could oh, see that. Oh no. And that's why I think it was a good balance. It was right. like, let's start out ominous. Let's really brighten it up. And then we're going to go back and tell you the story. And it, sure. there you go. It worked for me. I liked it. I was actually worried going into this. This was going to be a very downer film most mm-hmm. of the time. And the fact that, it kind of started on a little bit more of an upbeat point. I thought it was good. Yeah. So overall, it sounded like we were both pretty pleasantly surprised with the film. And yeah. uh, that was good. I definitely would recommend it to people who oh, sure. uh, have any interest at all in anything you've heard us talk about with this film. If anything sounds like something you might enjoy, trust us. It's a good film. You'll enjoy it. I think you'll have fun. Um, subtitled, so you know. True. Be prepared to read, but I mean, uh, don't we all need to read a little bit more yes. these days anyway? Yeah. <laughs> so the Untouchables. I wish I could say it was playing somewhere near you, but chances are it's probably not. I mean, uh, if it gets well, no. Yeah, I was going to say if it does become one of the official five selections for best foreign film, but it probably still won't come to a theater. You'd probably still catch it on DVD. Yeah. I guess. So it, it is something worth checking out. We do recommend, and hopefully we'll hear its name batted around come Oscar time as well. So that's the Untouchables, um, a 2011 film. Out in limited release, I'm sure, around America right now. Hopefully we'll see it come streaming or DVD before too long. So uh, with that, we're going to move in just a moment into our next film review, which is going to be the film Life of Pi. Before we do that, just a quick reminder again, thank you, Main Cellar City Club, for your uh, your patronage and helping us with the, 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 the podcast and being a great supporter for us. MainCellarCityClub.com if you want to learn more information. And again, remember, you can always check out more information about our show at TheMesh.TV. You can drop us an email at info at themesh.tv or you can go to our foot candle website for our film society to find out what we're doing as a film group in town that's footcandle.org a lot of different ways to contact us we encourage you to go check out the websites drop us a note have you seen the untouchables agree disagree let us know we'd love to hear from you on that so now we're going to move on to our second review which is the film life of pi So Chris, I, I'll be honest, I have not seen Life of Pi. This is all you. I'm going to just kind of fire 20 questions at you about this film. I'm really anxious to hear your take and what you think of it. Okay. Life of Pi, just for everybody curious, is kind of a, somewhat of an adventure film. It's being marketed as a very sweeping epic film. Uh, stars uh, Su- Suraj Sharma, and he stars as Pai Patel. Am I right with that? Yes. Good. And my understanding with this is a young man who survives a disaster at sea, and he's hurled into this big journey with adventure, discovery, and he forms a connection with a Bengal tiger that yes. I believe was also on the ship that was wrecked. Yes. Okay, good. There again, I'm guessing at a lot of this because no. I've not seen. So far, you're you just keep thousand. nodding your head telling me <laughs> if I'm right on this. Um, the thing that probably interests me the most, I mean, the, the, the trailer is very visually interesting to see. Sure. It seems like it has a lot going on with it. 
Uh, but it is directed by Ang Lee. Mm-hmm. Now, Ang Lee is a director I'm very hot or cold on. Brokeback Mountain was probably one that he got a lot, of, probably the most acclaimed for that he's done in a while. And uh, of course, that one, not only the controversy that came with that, but sure. it did get a lot of critical acclaim for uh, the film and its performances. Sure. Then he also did The Hulk. Uh, the Marvel Comics adaptation, which really wasn't a Marvel Comics adaptation. It was a very strange film, I thought. Yeah. Um, didn't really work for me too much. Uh, then you've had some other things. Did he do uh, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden yes. Dragon? Yes. Which visually, visually very, really very good. fun, interesting mm-hmm. film to see. Uh, he did a couple other films. The Ice Storm, was that his as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's you know he does good films, but sure. he's also had a few that didn't work out as well for everybody that saw him. So here, this is something very different, something a little more. It's a, it's a PG film, which you know nowadays is kind of a rarity in itself. PG film, adventure film, three D film, spectacle film. Chris, tell me, how would you describe this film to people who who don't know much about it? Well, I mean, it is it is an adventure film, and the one caution that I would have for people going to see it, if you see the trailer, it looks like there's a lot of action, and it's very sweeping, and you go to a lot of different places. And actually, it's more of kind of an internal story, because what ends up happening is Pi and his family are on this big boat, and this happens in the first you know couple, couple of uh, minutes mm-hmm. in the film, but he they're on this big boat, and it crashes it wrecks at sea it sinks basically so then he and a couple of animals that were on the boat are stuck on a lifeboat out in the middle of the ocean hmm. okay so then it becomes a very survival it's a tale of survival okay. of how is this boy gonna survive with a bengal tiger and an orangutan and a hyena and a zebra on hmm. this i mean it is a semi-sizable lifeboat but still he's got a kind of you know how can he do that with you know water and trying to get food and all this kind of stuff so it's an interesting tale of survival, but I, I would caution people that are going into it thinking it's maybe going to be a big action yeah. type sweeping thing because it's a lot more of him. You hear a lot of thoughts in his head mm-hmm. and there are a lot of scenes where there's not a lot of dialogue and it's just him sitting there thinking about how am I going to survive? And he does kind of talk out loud just because, you know, he's out there. What's he going to do to try to keep himself sane? Yeah. So it's a lot more of a thinking and maybe kind of a deep movie about how you like, what does it mean to be alive and hmm. a philosophical movie that okay. you may, right. you may think. So the whole playing it up as a big 3d spectacle film, adventure film is maybe a little misleading. I think so. And there are some 3d. I actually saw it in 2d. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are the set piece at the beginning that is the boat sinking. I imagine that was very dramatic in 3d, but then you get to, the rest of the movie and, you know, outside of a tiger, tiger, maybe lunging at the screen. It's not like you need to see it in 3d. Mm, okay, good. So it's not like, don't go to it looking for a 3d spectacle because you're not really going to get that either. What about from a family standpoint? Is this something for the kids? Is this, uh, because it's kind of being marketed as a family film. I don't think so. Um, okay. I think it probably should have been PG 13. Hmm. I, I, yeah, it should have been PG 13. And the reason why is the survival is pretty grim. At hmm. some point, you know, what he's having to go through. And without ruining the ending, um, there's some revelations about how you have perceived some things mm-hmm. that come about at the end where basically Pi gives a little bit of a monologue straight to the camera. And that's kind of disturbing. Some hmm. of the things that are kind of revealed 
could be very disturbing. I, you know, I went and saw it with my family and my, it was odd. My 10 year old was actually really upset by mm. some of the things that happened. Uh, the family, what happens to them in the sinking of the boat and so yeah. just really upset her. So, wow. Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised it got a PG as opposed to a PG-13. Okay. And now, you've read the book. Well, and that's another yeah. interesting. This is based on a book, mm-hmm. and I did really like the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage people, if you have not read the book, don't read the book. Go see the movie on its own merits, um, and I think you'll like it. Mm-hmm. If you have read the book and you go see the movie like I did, I don't think you'll hate the movie. It's just there's so much that is happening internally in this guy's in Pi's head mm-hmm. that you read about in the book and it's more natural the way it kind of happens in the book. Right. And in the movie, they have to try to do it a lot through dialogue and it just kind of seems a little forced, but it's, it's what they have to do to make yeah, a movie. It's a two hour movie yeah, already. So, I mean, so yeah. you, know, you got to, and how else are you going to make it interesting? If it's a boy out in the middle of the ocean with nobody to talk to, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of tough. So well, I've been real, I've been real curious about the film. I'm interested. I was interested to hear your take on it. Um, it is something that's, you know, I, I know we keep talking about Oscars, but it is kind of well, that barometer. That season, it is yeah. that barometer that everybody tries to shoot their films for. And typically the films we showed our film society are ones that are a little more in that Oscar category. So of course, life of pie, I was curious because it has gotten a lot of acclaim. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, being possibly considered as one of the best picture nominees. I mean, do you think it's up in that arena? Well, if if there were, you know, there are going to be 10, I guess, nominees this mm-hmm. year. So in that block of 10, I guess so. But okay. if there were only going to be five, there's no way I'd make that top okay. five. Okay, interesting. Um, but, well, Life of Pi, it, it got a pretty wide release. It should yeah. still be out in a lot of movie theaters. I'm sure they were wanting to keep it through Christmas and have it play during the Christmas holiday as much as possible. Right. So uh, Ang Lee's latest. Um do you got a, a favorite film of Ang Lee's? I was going to mention like all of his filmography and see if one of these registered. His last film was actually Taking Woodstock, which I didn't really hear much about. I think and I, I saw, saw that, but it's very Dimitri Martin. Yes, it? that's yeah, it. I, uh, I don't think I do. I don't think I'm really a big fan. Crouching Tiger, well, Hidden Dragon would probably be less caution. Brokeback Mountain, Hulk. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Ride with the Devil, The Ice Storm, Sense and Sensibility. That was kind of the first one he did. That adaptation with uh, Hugh Grant and a few others back in 95. That was kind of the first one that got him with some American attention there. I think he's a, he's a very talented filmmaker and that he can tell stories and he works with actors apparently really well. And he's got a good eye. A mm-hmm. lot of the stuff is, sh- you know, that's okay. If I were to say anything as far as cinematography or effects for life of pie, that's where the Oscar buzz acclaim might be. Yeah. It is a very beautiful, okay. beautiful movie. A lot of the scenes look like they were painted. Um, so that's, you know, I would say that, that that's some positives I'll give it that, you know, it's a very beautiful, beautiful movie. Cool. Um, so good. Well, thanks for the review, Chris. We appreciate that. Uh, the feedback on the film, that's life of pie, which, uh, probably out in a lot of the theaters near you, even as you listen to this podcast, uh, maybe ending close to the end of its theatrical run, if it's not doing as well box office wise, but definitely sounds like check it out. Yeah. It's worth seeing. Just there are some some reservations about it and maybe the way it's being branded and marketed or maybe not the best way to go in with those expectations on it. Right. But visually, it does sound like it's visually, a very visually it's, stunning it's, film. It's, yes. Good. It's, Great. Well, thanks. Well, that's our two reviews for this month's episode. That was The Untouchables and Life of Pi. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to jump right into some movie news. We're going to talk about some things happening in the world of film. And then we're going to wrap it up with our recommendations of the month where Chris and I both share a great film that you can queue up over the Christmas holiday or New Year's and just 
get settled in and enjoy a nice evening with one of our recommended films. So we look forward to sharing yet another Christmas gift with you here shortly (laughs) when we return from Foot Candle Films. Main Cellar City Club, Hickory's premier music venue, is the place to go for music events, wedding dinners or receptions, company retreats, reunions, and more. Contact Main Cellar at 828-345-6246 or find us on Facebook and Twitter for all your entertainment updates. Hello and welcome back to Foot Candle Films. Chris, it's holiday party going on even as we record this episode upstairs in our office building it is true <laughs> so we're hearing christmas music in the background a lot of commotion going on. everybody's having a good time we probably ate maybe a little too much for lunch than we normally do and yes. may have had a couple drinks that we shouldn't have had so we're, we're just kind of playing a little loose with today's episode <laughs> we're just kind of going with the flow right. we are going to ease into some of our movie news as we did our reviews earlier in the show this is where i like to kind of try to cr- catch chris off guard I've researched and found some some topics about some either movies in production, ones getting ready to release, or some other related industry news that we're just going to pick apart. I never tell Chris what we're going to talk about in advance, so he's always caught off guard. So really, we could rename this section Surprise Chris and see what Chris has <laughs> to say. Surprise! But uh, let's go into some movie news then. Okay. First off, Pedro Almodovar. Yes. Yes. Uh, you a big fan of his films? You like a lot of his films? I can rattle off some of his titles. I, I typically, but. I typically do. I mean, I wouldn't seek him out, but I'm always. I I think he's got an interesting eye. They're always bright and colorful. He's a big. Uh, he works a lot with Penelope Cruz. Yes, he does. Yeah. So, uh, well, just some of his his films. Uh, Talk to her, which is actually the the oldest film of his I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and it was actually probably one of the first films of his I saw, and I really liked. Right. That was one of those. I didn't know what I was to expect going in. I knew nothing about the film, and it was. Very entertaining, very interesting, shocking at times, Mm -hmm. but also just really, really interesting to watch. I'll I'll leave it at that. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, He has done Volve. He's done Broken Embraces. His last film was The Skin I Live In. Did you end up seeing that with uh, Antonio Banderas? I want to. I do too. And it got some very mixed reviews. It was called Very Disturbing, had Mm -hmm. just a very interesting premise to it. I'm not even that familiar with it, but... The thing I wanted to bring up today is his film that is going to be coming out soon. It's being marked as a 2013 film, but they put out a little teaser trailer about it. And it just okay. sounds interesting. Okay. The film is called, the American title for it is, I'm So Excited. And does it it's, have the uh, Pointer Sisters song? Has it absolutely does. Excellent. Um, it is an ensemble musical comedy. Okay. Featuring one of his biggest cast. And it all takes place, for the most part, Inside of an airplane in flight. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So basically the the stewards and stewardesses play critical roles. Hmm. It's a very big ensemble comedy and there's musical elements so it's throughout like the airplane, film. airplane except it's also a musical. Yeah. Basically. Okay. So the little trailer they put out, I mean, I'm uh, playing the background or maybe we can slice it a little bit. It's basically all set to the Pointer Sisters. I'm so excited. Awesome. A little dance routine going awesome. on on the plane. So I think it looks really fun. Now, it being Almodovar, you never know if it's truly going to go straight comedy or... Usually he has some pretty ridiculous drama in there, too. Yes. So I'm curious if they really are keeping to the musical comedy genre or not. But um, supposedly it makes its theatrical premiere in Spain in March, and then it'll be coming out... Probably won't actually come out to in the U.S. until the fall next year, so we might have a little ways to wait. But I do recommend if you're if this anything sounds interesting about this, 
do a search online for Pedro Amadavar. I'm so excited and watch the little trailer, little 45 second I, little I quick trailer teaser that. thing. It's it's fun to watch. I've always thought of him. A lot of his movies, they use you know colors and cinematography is big, but he also kind of he's like the uh, Spanish speaking Robert Altman. He mm-hmm. Usually has a lot of little storylines that mm-hmm. end up weaving together, which I tend to tend to like. And sometimes his films can maybe suffer from a bit too much ambition, which it sounds like this, trying to do a musical comedy within the confines of just an airplane. And you're like, okay. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I'm intrigued. Sounds like I, an interesting challenge, if nothing else. He, did, he is bringing in Antonio Banderas and okay. Penelope Cruz, both okay. in the film. So two of his kind of go-to regulars uh-huh. in a lot of cases. They're in there along with Cecilia Ross, Javier Carmera, few other uh, 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 actors and actresses. I'm not as familiar with a lot of his entourage because I haven't seen it, as many of his films. Sure. But um, I'm really, I'm curious. I, I think it too. could be fun. I, I think if nothing else, he's a very interesting filmmaker. And I'm to the point with my filmmaking wa- or film going uh, watching that I want to follow any director that's trying to do something interesting. Sure. I may not always agree with their films, may not always like their films, but as long as they're trying something, trying something different, trying something innovative, I'm on board. I say sock it to me. Let's sure. see what we can, let's see what sticks. So this is one where I saw this little trailer. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm in. This looks like fun. So <laughs> now what I figure we do next, Chris, a little different, not necessarily as much news, but okay. we have mentioned the Oscars already a few times in this, this recording when yes. talking about their reviews earlier. Yes. Uh, you and I kind of try to keep a pulse on where things are going award season, mainly because we are running a film society and we like to try to bring in films that have a good chance of being nominated for films come January, February. I know we're still another month away from the nominations being announced. They come out in late January, right? I believe so. Okay. But here's what I wanted to do. I'm going to toss out to you the names right now for both lead actor and lead actress that are currently in the hunt. Okay. Meaning this is not the official nomination list. That will not happen until late January. But because I'm going to read these. The yeah, this okay. is the pool. And I'm, of these names, I'm going to read them out. I want you to tell me the ones you feel like, just from either what you've seen or what you've heard about these performances, you think have a decent shot okay. of getting in that final pool of probably five is probably what we're going to be looking yeah, at sure. for this. Okay. Okay. First off, this is lead actor. Okay. Ben Affleck with Argo. No. Okay. All right. Jack Black with Bernie. Hmm. Man, this is hard. Not I knowing know. like the whole. Market. I know. Yeah. Um, you gotta give me a yes or no though. Okay, I'm gonna say no on Jack Black, but then I'm gonna give you a yes on Ben Affleck. <laughs> You're gonna go back and do I'm gonna, yes I'm again. Gonna re- I'm gonna recant. Really? Yes, I'm gonna recant. You heard my review of Argo, right? Okay, so we'll yeah, we'll come back to that tough, in a minute. Anyway, tough. all right. Uh, it, have you heard of the film Any Day Now, starring Alan Cumming? Yes, I okay. saw a preview of it recently. He he plays a drag queen. Yes. Um, who adopts a child. Yes. So it's yes. a very kind of high concept drama to it. Yes. Uh, he's being batted around as potentially. I uh, could see that. Okay. We've got Matt Damon with Promised Land. Yes. That's a no. You know, okay. Right. <laughs> Matt you know, Damon. That's a, that's a Gus Van Zandt film. Uh, Matt Damon's in has to do with, uh, I think it's talking about fracking, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I just say no because... Yeah. I, I just don't think so. All right. We got Jamie like Foxx, Jamie Foxx with Django Unchained. We have not seen it yet. Obviously doesn't come out till Christmas day, but from what you're kind of picking up on any chance of that? No. All right. Your predictions. No. All right. Martin Freeman with the Hobbit. Oh no. All right. We're shaking that as a no. All yeah. right. I, I'm just, I'm just giving no, you, no, the, no, I'm just, giving you the pool. The I'm I giving know, you the pool. I know, I know. Uh, Anthony Hopkins with Hitchcock. Yes. yes. Okay. Definitely. 
Bill Murray with Hyde Park on Hudson. What number am I on? How many? How many <laughs> Let's go back and see. Okay, you said you went back and changed your answer on Ben Affleck with Argo to a yes. So, so I, have, I have Affleck. Wooden face Ben Affleck with Argo. <laughs> you've got in there. You said no on Jack Black. You said yes on Alan Cumming. Okay, Alan Cumming. No on Matt Damon. Jamie Foxx, no. no. Martin Freeman, no. Anthony Hopkins, yes, yes. with Hitchcock. So I've got three. So you got three so okay. far, and I'm only going to give you two more past oh. Bill Murray. So Bill Murray, Hyde Park on Hudson. No. Okay. Here's a fun one. Omar Sy with The Untouchables. Yes. Okay. And then we have, oh boy, Jean-Louis treated. Trinity Jaunt with Amour. That's uh, the uh, Michael Haneke film, Amour, that we haven't caught up with. I've really been wanting to see, yeah. though. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, put that one in there. Okay. All right. So that's your five you have picked from that list. We've got the lead actor from Amour. We've got Omar Sy, who played Driss in The Untouchables, film we reviewed earlier in the show. We've got Anthony Hopkins with Hitchcock. We've got uh, Alan Cumming with Any Day Now and Ben Affleck with Argo. You know what? Though? Not a terribly strong patch, but you know what? There's one performance that was not mentioned in this pool at all. Joaquin. Well, actually, these are kind of considered uh, the reason. Uh, let me. I'm going to kind of shed the light on this. This is a little bit of a trick question for you. Yeah. There are several that are big, big hit names on here. I didn't give you. Okay. These are the ones that fly in under the radar. Oh, so okay. I was kind of curious to see how we'll many say. of those you were going to squeak into the top field there. Okay. Of course, we got our Daniel Day Lewis. Of course, oh, yeah. we've got our right. the master, uh, the two lead actors there. We got several other okay. big hitters. Yeah, I was about to say, there's. I'm a little worried because we have two people from foreign films. Oh yeah, I don't think there's any way they. No, do this is our. This is my. Okay. Let's let's toss out the transential ones, the ones on the outside of the mix okay. that could squeak in. So, you gave me five that you feel like some of those five may actually be able to squeak in as a dark horse on the Oscar race. All right. Yeah. Now, of course, when the actual nominations come out, we're going to pick those apart, and both of us are going to give our picks and win uh, picks for the winners and all that. Gotcha. But let's do the same thing with actress. Again, these are ones flying under the okay. radar. Now, now I'm more prepared. Now, see, okay. I wanted to catch you off guard with the actor. I was gotcha. just curious to see if you could actually pick five potential best actor nominations out of that list I gave you, sure. and you did. But I agree. I think Daniel Day Lewis is going to win it anyway. So I um, would think so. All right. So here's a few that are again on the actress side. A little under the radar. We, now that you know this a little differently. Before you give me that, yeah. should we just go ahead and call? We're going to do this now. Lincoln's going to kind of be a Titanic. It's going to run away with stuff. No, I don't, think, don't think it will. So. No, okay. no. I haven't I, seen it. You've seen it. So I, can't I think um, I think we're going to see a split. This is my early prediction. Okay. I think we're going to see a split very much like we did um, when Saving Private Ryan won Best uh, Director and it won some other uh, technical, technical awards, stuff. but the Best Picture went to... I don't remember who that year, but it went to a more of a crowd pleasing film. Shakespeare in Love? Maybe. I think it's going to do a reverse. I think Spielberg is going to win the best picture and best actor. Best actor, yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Back back up. It'll win best actor. It will not win best picture. Okay. I think best actor is going to go to Lincoln. And I think Lincoln will win a bunch of other awards, but I don't think it'll win best picture. Okay. I think it will be uh, Zero Dark Thirty. That's just Uh, my prediction right now. I think Zero Dark Thirty is best picture. I can see that. Uh, Lincoln is Best Actor and a bunch of other uh, acting awards. I promise I'm going to catch up with Lincoln. Okay. <laughs> so let's, let's go on to the actress. Okay. Again, these are under the radar. Yes. Now that you know how I'm playing this little game yes. and tried to pull one over on you on the first part. Um, <laughs> yes, these are not the front runners, but gotcha. these are ones that could creep into that field. And I'm curious to see if, what you think. Gotcha. These, these are going to be a little trickier because I don't think you know most of these. Okay. Um, we've got Linda Cardellini with Return. 
Her last name sounds like pasta. And <laughs> so right away. I say What does that tell you? You say no. Carbs are no. If, if, if the name sounds like pasta, we don't put them what in. What was it. the name of the movie? It's Return, which I've never even heard of. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, she's getting a little buzz, so just oh, it's okay. out there. Okay. Oh, me and my names. Um, I'm a Yatza. I'm a Yatzi Coronaldi from Middle of Nowhere. Anything about that one? Uh, no, but her last name sounds like a wine. Okay, so. The, so. the wine would pair nicely with the pasta. Middle of nowhere sounds familiar, though. Yeah. There again, these are a little more reaching sure, right now. Okay. Sure. Judy Dench, Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Uh, you know, it seems like if she is in a movie at all, unless she takes the year off, hmm. she's not at least nominated. To, I'm going to say yes. I'll okay. Say so you she, think she, she might squeak that. in as that dark horse? They, just, they give her, like, if she reads a page out of the phone book, she's nominated for an Oscar. Okay. I like, but I do like her. All right. And I do think she does a good job. So, um, Elle Fanning, she's in a film called Ginger and Rosa. Of course, Elle Fanning, uh, sister of Dakota Fanning. Right. Elle Fanning was in uh, Super 8. Okay. And she right. was in, uh, what other film was she in recently? She was in another film that did pretty well recently. Anyway, um, she's in a film. Was she in the film of, um, the one who did uh, Marie Antoinette and Lost in Translation and... Yes. You're talking about uh, Somewhere, Someplace, some... Something like that. Who's the director? Female director, daughter of really famous... Oh, Coppola. Yes, thank Sophia you. Coppola. Sophia Coppola. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she was in that She was film, in that film. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, she's getting a little buzz there. Leslie Mann with This Is 40, which is the Judd Apatow film coming uh, out. Okay. No on Al Fanning possibility on um leslie man okay all right so we have two possibles right yeah and then we have emmanuel rive which is who is also with amour so we've got both the lead actor lead actress to uh, older older actor actress pairing there if i, if I have to pick five i'm also going to pick her okay maybe. maggie smith with quartet now this is the uh you know she she gets a lead role in this film she's normally regulated to a lot of the supporting roles she was supporting in a marigold hotel and others this is supposedly she she's got a lead uh it has to do with opera has to do with uh classical performances Uh, i've heard some good things about this film quartet yeah Mm -hmm. um meryl streep with hope springs that's the tommy lee jones Uh, meryl streep you're gonna say uh, no on meryl streep this year aren't you i i it was a. I. I, I really okay, I don't think. I've not seen Hope yeah, Springs, yeah. but it just. That's like my nightmare of a movie to have she, to sit through. With her getting Margaret Thatcher uh, the award last year for Best Actress on, on The Iron Lady, which was kind of a surprise for it me. It was a big surprise. I think she's got her fail right now for a she's, while. I she's think done. you know. I think she's done. I don't even think she'll be nominated. Okay. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead with Smashed. I know nothing about this film, but I've seen her in a few films. Um, yeah. Don't have much to say about her. I don't know much about her acting style. I believe that is that the film that's kind of a really gritty look at alcoholism. Yes, it is. Okay, yep, yeah. that's it. And then Rachel Weiss with the Deep Blue Sea. This is actually a film I'm anxious to check out. It's been getting a lot of great attention. Yeah. Um, you know, somewhat downer, depressing. You know, but but it is. I think she's in it. And then Tom Hiddleston, mm-hmm. uh, who got to do a bunch of superhero stuff in the Avengers and Thor, right. but is actually uh, got a dramatic role here, and it was supposedly very good as well. So, okay. the Deep Blue Sea. That's a film I'm interested in seeing. 
I guess this can almost be a little bit of a list of films that we still need to check out before yeah. Oscar time because Amour, I guarantee you, is going to get some attention and, on Oscar time. And our top ten list for the year, our top five list for the year, definitely says yeah. like we need to check some of these films. So, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people flying under the radar right now. Uh, obviously, when the nominations come out, we're going to take them and just dissect them and tell you our picks on them, who we think should win and probably is going to win type of thing. And then we always love doing a little recap after the Oscars are done to just see how we did, you sure. know, as a little recap. So that's always, for us, it's kind of our Super Bowl time of the year. You know, this <laughs> is our, we're getting excited about where we're going with this. So if nothing else, treat this as a list of films that you may want to go out and check out. If you're curious to see any of these dark horses kind of making it in, in the nomination field. If nothing else, these performances are supposed to be really good and worth checking out all the way around. Uh, I do want to credit Variety.com as a kind of compiling some of these lists already and having these out there floating the names around, getting a little attention for some of these lesser-known performances, but ones that could could get some acclaim come January, February. Okay, so I guess we're done with some movie news. Are we ready to move on to our picks? Sure. Great. Well, this is the part of the show where we like to give you a pick of the month, a film that not necessarily a new film, but something that you should be able to access either through Netflix or iTunes or streaming somewhere else. So we want to find something that's available, not something you got to go work too hard to track down a copy of and uh, something that can be as far back in time as we want to be, or could be as recent as a couple weeks ago. Who knows? So Chris, I'm going to turn it over to you first. What's your pick for us this month? Actually, mine is going to be a 2012 release. Oh, it's a new film. Okay, good. It is a new film. It's a documentary and it's one that is on the short list, which is I think a list of about 15 documentaries that the Academy has already put out saying, okay, here are the top 15 from mm-hmm. this 15. We're going to choose five. And those, so we already be- know the giant pool for those. Right. Okay. All right. So of those 15, they're going to pick five and those are going to be the nominees for uh, best doc of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the doc that I was that I'm picking or whatever is I Weiwei, never sorry. And this is a documentary about a Chinese activist, but he's also an artist. Hmm. And okay. it is really, really, really fascinating. Wow. Uh, I saw it was on the short list and I was like, oh, okay, it's a documentary about an artist. I'll watch that. And because I like to watch documentaries about artists, like what inspires them, how they're creative, because it just it didn't, ends up inspiring me. So his art is very interesting, but the politics and what he puts up with in China, what he has to put up with and how he struggles and fights the, against the system and is fearless. Hmm. He seems to be absolutely fearless. Like he knows that he's going to get in trouble and he does it anyway. And he doesn't do it in a like flagrant way. He just says, you know, this is what I'm doing and I'm going to do my art. And if he gets in trouble, well, okay. And he isn't bothered by the fact that you know, the police presence just seems to get worse and worse. They put up security cameras around his compound and he just, he just keeps on doing hmm. what he's doing. And it's really interesting. And the film chronicles about a two year period. Hmm. And during this period, they have a point where he goes missing. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> and I remember this being, I was on Twitter and I remember some people on Twitter talking about it. And he's very involved with social media, which mm-hmm. in China is kind of complicated to do. Um, so I really strongly encourage people to check out this documentary. It's streaming on Netflix, so you can catch up with it there. I will be rooting for this when it comes. Hopefully it'll make the short list, which will be the five. And I will be rooting as strongly for this film as I was for Exit Through the Gift Shop that lost. But wow. I will really be rooting for this, A, because I really like the documentary. But B, I just think it would be really impressive for someone who is trying to make a statement and trying to be an activist in China 
to be recognized in the United States and to, I don't know if he would be allowed to come here to accept hmm. any type of war, but Interesting. I just, yeah, I, I, it's, it's fascinating. I highly, highly recommend it. You know, I've heard just a little bit about this and I think I've seen the trailer for it. So okay. that's definitely, definitely worth checking out though. Oh, yes. It sounds like, well, let's go ahead and stay in Asia while okay. we're, while we're at it. Uh, the film I've got, Gosh, I, I feel like I've talked about this film before, but yet we, we, I, I, I can't find it anywhere in our archives that there I mentioned it. Where is our intern? We need to look through our show notes, and I'm very disappointed that our intern has dropped the ball and not completed those notes for us. So we're going no to have Christmas to. Christmas bonus for them. No, no, we're going to have to discipline them <laughs> right away. Uh, it's a 2006 film called The Host, and it is a Korean film. It was uh, filmed a lot in South Korea. Okay. Uh, the director is Jun Ho Bong. Okay. And. Uh, screenplay by Wan Juha. It it is a good old fashioned monster movie. I mean, this is a creature comes out of the sea, looks like a giant cross between a frog and a slime <laughs> monster, and just an interesting, interesting character design. Hmm. And it basically a monster emerges from the Han River, focuses its attention on attacking people, and there's a family that has to Try to get away from it. Okay. <laughs> it's a pretty cut and dry film. Sure. What I was really impressed with is a, you know, being in South Korea, they made a really good monster movie. Gotcha. The CGI is actually pretty impressive considering the budget for this film, which was not very big. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a little bit of a throwback to you talking about Cloud Atlas a couple uh, episodes ago in one of your reviews. Okay. One of the actresses oh. who is in Cloud Atlas, uh, Do Na. Okay. Uh, she's is featured in the the Asian subplot line of Cloud yes. Atlas. Yeah. She is in the host as well. She's okay. one of the I think she's one of the family members. Okay. So a little bit of a connection tie in there. I just you know it was a good fun B movie. I mean it, it had a few surprises, a few things I didn't expect to have happen to some of the characters. Um, they're already working on a sequel. They've really? already put some of the footage for the sequel online, which huh. looks fun as well. Okay. And uh, you know I'm a big fan of monster movies. Must I like be Hostess. Yes. The, the host. Okay. Oh, Chris, you kill, you kill right, me. Um, yeah, it's the, the host two coming out, I think, next year sometime. There again, I like good B-movies. Uh, if I had to kind of equate it to anything, uh, you remember that film, The Mist, that came out a few years ago? Yes. The uh, Frank Darabont uh, yes. adaptation of Stephen the King Stephen movie? King? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like that. It's like it's a little hokey. It's a little B-movie. It's a little uh, slimy monster stuff. That's kind of what I. Rem- that's the kind of tone I got the most from the host, gotcha. and just really enjoy the film. So it's it's, it's a fun time, uh, streaming or, or watching on DVD there. So okay. I recommend the host. And then yours was titled again. What? Okay, it's the artist's name, which mm-hmm. I'm actually going to spell it because otherwise, you know, that'd be a good idea. There, my pronunciation of Chinese is probably lacking. It's I, which is A I. That's his first name, and then Wei Wei, which is W E I W E I. And that's all okay. So it's I, I Wei Wei. Okay. And then Never Sorry. Never Sorry is kind of the subtitle right. thing. Yeah, got so it. I Wei Wei Never Sorry. All right, so you've got that, and you've got the host. Mine's a little easier to remember and spell. A uh, couple films, depending on what kind of mood you're in. Activist documentary or Asian horror monster movie. You got your choices there to check out. So we do encourage you to do that. We're going to wrap up the show, Chris. I mean, we've not only reviewed French film, The Untouchables. We reviewed Life of Pi. We talked about uh, potential Dark Horse Oscar nominees coming up on the actor and actress field. We talked about uh, Pedro Almodovar. We gave recommendations on a couple so Asian excited. films. Man, we are just <laughs> we're very international with today's yes. show, yeah, we are. which is really cool. Um, just about every film we talked about or had foreign connections there, so yeah. that's neat. 
Um, we do have some spotlights coming out before too long where we'll talk about a few other films, kind of your little appetizer in between the big monthly show that we do here that you've just listened to. Little spotlights, if you subscribe to our feed, you'll get those spotlight episodes as well. Normally 15 minutes or so of us talking about one specific film, new film that's out in the movie theaters. Uh, so you keep on the lookout for those. We'll try to pepper those in every time we have one available. Uh, of course, we'll have our big next monthly show next month. We don't know the films we'll be reviewing yet at that point. We haven't quite got confirmation on any of those, but it will more than likely be our Foot Candle Film of the Month showing at our Foot Candle Film Society screening and possibly another mainstream film to kind of go along with that. So give you a couple reviews to listen to for next month as well. Again, our show is on TheMesh.TV. That's where you can go back and listen to this episode or any other episode of our show. Or while you're there, check out all the other programs on The Mesh. We've got everything from a local music show. We've got some business podcasts. We've got uh, discussion shows. We've got Chick Chat, which I still don't know quite how to categorize that one. <laughs> um, we've got new stuff talking about technology. A lot of great shows to listen to. To fit any of your interests and styles, uh, I guarantee you the mesh.tv has probably got something to fit that. Uh, and then, of course, we encourage you to please reach out to us. Info at the mesh.tv is an email that will get to us. Just mentioned in the email that you're talking about Foot Candle Films, and we will certainly make sure it gets directed to us. Footcandle.org is our website for our film society to find out what our next screenings are going to be here in the Catawba County, North Carolina area. Uh, and also to jump on and hear some of our past shows or other reviews we've posted. And I think that's all I've got to mention there. Thanks again uh, to Main Cellar City Club, as always, for sponsoring the show this month. We really appreciate the support. MainCellarCityClub.com. And with that, we're going to close out our last main episode of 2012. If you're hearing this before the holidays or in the midst of holidays, Hope you're having a great holiday season. Hopefully you're getting to see a couple movies while you're at it too. If you do, drop us a line. Let us know what you see. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. I'm off to see Lincoln. Oh, you're going to go right now. Yes. Go do it. You've heard (laughs) us talk about it enough, Chris. I want to hear your take on that. Okay. All right. Happy holidays, everyone. We'll see you in 2013. Take care. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.